Hi, and welcome to the Seacoast Vineyard Church Podcast. We want to thank you for joining us online and remind you to feel free to visit our website at seacoastvineyard.com anytime for up-to-date information on our local church here in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. If you would like to give financially to this ministry, whether that's a one-time gift or a recurring monthly gift, simply click on the Give tab at our website and give however God leads you. Now, we want you to enjoy this message from God's Word. Well, good Super Bowl Sunday to you. I couldn't decide who to support. Um, it's really a struggle. Prayed long about it. Uh, have you guys uh, decided? I mean, have you have you already chosen? Uh, maybe this will help you choose. Play. Watch this. <laughs> all right. I, I know. I love Peyton Manning <laughs> too. So, in all fairness, watch this. <laughs> <laughs> you got to sweat it to get it. There you go. <laughs> oh, we're going to have a good time today, all day long. Uh, you know, even this weather, I think, is great for a Super Bowl. Uh, you be in the homes with friends and family and watching it, and we're going to have a good time today. We are in a series called Daring Faith. And the scripture, actually, that we're going to use today, it just happened to be on this Sunday, uh, has a whole lot to do with putting some effort forth in getting down the field in our faith and in our life with, with Jesus and following. So we're going to be over in 1 Corinthians 9, verse 24. And uh, it's in your handout. You have a handout with a fill-in. And um, I do this every Sunday. It's just for you, a way for you to track along with me. This, uh, the guy writing this is a guy named Paul. He was probably the most well-known church leader in the early uh, early go of the church, he, uh, he really pushed the church. He did all he could with the, that first uh, generation church to try to get it up and following Jesus with passion and to continue on in the life. And as you know, when a generation passes and another generation comes, sometimes it doesn't get passed along. And so the passion is just not as there as with the ones who first experienced it. And so Paul is dealing with this in the church at Corinth. Corinth is a little bit, a little bit like Myrtle Beach, uh, we don't have a port here. we got them on both sides of us. Uh, but it's a port city of sorts. There is a trade route north to south, east to west as well. All kinds of people come through this town. Uh, there was a Jewish population, which we know Paul went to preach to uh, most of the times to a synagogue. But there were a lot of Gentiles in this area and uh, lots of different beliefs. And it's a very metropolitan feel to the city. And then this church is planted, and uh, it's an exciting church. It would be a fun church to be a part of, but they were a little out of control. And um, so Paul is writing to kind of help them, and, uh, but there are a few things he doesn't want them to lose, and there's some things that he wants them to hold on to. So we're going to read this from the Living Bible, and here we go. In a race, everyone runs, but only one person gets first prize. So run your race to win. To win the contest, you must deny yourselves many things that would keep you from doing your best. An athlete goes to all this trouble just to win a blue ribbon or a silver cup, but we do it for a heavenly reward that never disappears. So I run straight to the goal with purpose in every step. I fight to win. I'm not just shadow boxing or playing around. Like an athlete, I punish my body, treating it roughly, training it to do what it should not what it wants to. Otherwise, I fear that after enlisting others for the race, I myself 
might be declared unfit and ordered to stand aside. Father, thank you for your word this morning. Uh, Thank you for a time to get together for us to study your word, to ask you to teach us how to, uh, to run this race of faith. And thank you, God. Thank you that you reached out to us first. That indeed you drafted us, Lord. And we ask your blessing on our conversation. Help me, give me the gift of teaching, Lord. And be here in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, Paul says right before this, if you read just earlier, uh, that his intention is, and he begins to mention like Jews. He says, you know, those who are Jews, I want to reach. Those who live under the law, I want to reach. Those who don't live according to the law, Gentiles, I want to reach them. Basically, he breaks it up in groups, but he, he, could, he could have said, I want to reach everyone, right? But he didn't. He wanted to specify, he wanted to specify the mission, the goal, where he was headed. And he wanted this church to know it was very specific, what you're called, what you're trying to do, who you're trying to reach, who you're trying to talk to, who you're trying to bring the good news to. So there's purpose in every phrase and every word that Paul uses. And he uses the example, the metaphor of running a race. So what, like I said, for it the fall, for this scripture, the fall on Super Bowl, I thought was awesome because Paul is making reference to some games that were played there in Corinth, the Isthmian games. Every other year, for three days, they would have these Olympic-style games. And there would be boxing, wrestling, there would be running, uh, archery. Uh, actually, there was even singing competition. Uh, all kinds of... This is all the way back to maybe 15 B.C. this had been going on. And so when Paul writes to these Corinthians, this church, he knows they know what he's talking about. He's using a metaphor, kind of like the Super Bowl, when every one of those in Corinth are just... Their ears are just going, Oh, we always look forward to those games. And, uh, but the thing about these games were you only either won or you lost. There were no second places, no third places, no fourth places. So every athlete that joined this and fought in this or ran in this or did whatever knew either they won or they lost. <laughs> I mean, that was it. There was, there was nothing. You, did, you got nothing except maybe a beating, you know, for being in the, in the fights and all if you did not win. So Paul is throwing out this metaphor, this really intense one. Like, look, you know about this. These guys really run their race full on. They're committed to it. And he takes that as a picture of our walk with Jesus. So how do we get downfield? How do we grow in our faith? I think Paul has some help for us here and and in one other place when he talks about running and and using this athletic metaphor. And in your uh, handout, if you've got your fill in, the first one is this, and it comes from uh, the 24th verse in our text today and that is they Paul is telling the church he says you need to run to win run to win don't just run to say I was in it don't just run to get a jersey right get in there and win because there is there is no second place there is nothing but winning he says so run your race to win now how did this apply to us as Christians. You know, there is a big difference between a casual Christian and a committed Christian. Some of us get the jersey and we go home. We say the prayer. We go, it's all good. We go back. 
We go back to our lives. We go back when we've been called onto a team, onto a field. But we go, that's good enough. I got the jersey. You know, I can wear it around. And, and uh, the people who have the other, jer- you know, same jerseys, they'll know I got the jersey. It, it's okay. And just go back into the stands. But Paul says, no, 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 no. Don't run like that. Run to win the game that you're in. Now, let me say this too. This is not about earning your salvation. This is not about uh, if I get to the goal, then I'm saved. It's not that. It's all about like you got the jersey. Now, what do you do? Do you go back home or do you get on the team? Do you get on the field and run or do you just satisfied with the jersey? To me, that's the prayer. The prayer is the jersey. Now, the jersey's great, but it's just a jersey. It's called a part of the team moving downfield. And if we think that Christianity is only the prayer, that first prayer that you prayed, and thank God you prayed it. I prayed it too. I prayed it as well. I'm grateful for that. But if I'm not going to move downfield, if I'm just going to go back home because I prayed a prayer, I'm not moving downfield. I'm not listening to what... Paul is even charging me to do. Let's move. Let's get moving. You've been drafted to the team now. What are you going to do? What are you going to do? And, you know, my, uh, my prayer is tonight when we're all watching the game, every time you see Cam or you see Peyton, or, you know, or you see Talbert, you see any of these guys, you see anybody running, you see anybody passing, you see anybody, all these guys doing it, you're going to go, that's the metaphor Paul used right there for my Christian life. He wants me to move my life downfield. He doesn't want me to stay in the stands. He doesn't want me to sit there because the coach, I've been drafted by somebody who wants me. Preach it. That's right. Tell me. (laughs) I mean, you were his choice, right? We talked about that last week. You were his choice. He drafted you. He went out. You're his number one pick. First draft pick, you. He called you and he called you to something, not just to say, here's your your T-shirt, go home. No, 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 no. Here's your jersey because I've called you to the game and I've called you to follow me and I've called you to let's go. Let's find out what this is all about. There is a trophy to win, to get on down. Keep your eyes downfield and run to win, run to win. Uh, Getting downfield in any area of your life is going to take uh, an element of seriousness, will it not? I mean, there's, you know, you see all these guys like Cam with that beautiful smile and Peyton with that great sense of humor and, and everything, and you see that smile, but what you don't see behind all of that is, are the years and the years of sacrifice and practice and submitting themselves to discipline and, and to whatever it takes in order to get downfield. And so why do they do that? Because they want to win. They don't just want to play it. They don't want just the jersey. They want to win. And Paul is using the same metaphor for us as followers of Jesus that, you know, it's going to take a certain sober moment in our lives, in our faith walk with God, and also in the areas that God's dealing with us. Let's just say, like, your marriages. If you're married and you're married and you're like, you look at your spouse, what is the, you know, Do you want to win in that? I mean, do you want your marriage relationship to have success? Do you want to get across the goal line together? Do you want it to be what God has always called called it to be? Keep your eye on the win. Play to win. Don't be satisfied with anything else. Don't just get a jersey and go, I'm married. Got the ring. That's it. 
No, don't get just the rain. Get the life. Go after it. Keep your eyes on the wind. That's what keeps moving us downfield. Of course, some of us, you know, we just don't, we don't think God wants us to win in these situations, do we? See, that's what I'm hoping today, too. I'm hoping you walk out of here and you go, God wants me to win. He wants my relationships. He wants my life as a follower of Christ. Whatever area you are, you know, you believe God has got you in and that you're leading for him, that he wants you to win. He is for you and he wants because it makes all the difference in here of how you play this game and how you run downfield. Do you believe he wants you to win? Do you believe he wants you to win over whatever sins are besetting or whatever, you know, whatever is knocking you down? You know, even these teams tonight, somebody's probably going to get intercepted, right? Somebody's probably going to get sacked tonight. Do you think they go, oh, man, I got sacked. I'm leaving. You know, it's like, it's like I just saved the jersey. It's special, you know, Super Bowl jersey. I'll save it, but I'm done, man. I've already got sacked. No, they get back up and go, that's not going to happen again. They get back up after they've been sacked. They get back up after they've been intercepted. If you get pushed back behind the line of scrimmage, they get up and they push on forward again. They do not stop because they keep their eyes on the win. On the win. The most serious thing in our life is our relationship with God. Why wouldn't we do the same thing and want to win in this life, in our faith? Why would God give us so much information and and give us such examples as Paul and Moses and this book full of examples of those who ran down the field. You have people in your life you look at and you say, man, they're really making it downfield with their life. How are they doing that? A lot of that is they are running to win. And it changes everything. So, you know, you can't be a casual husband and move your marriage down the field. You can't. You can't be a casual wife. And move your marriage down the field. You can't be a casual business partner and move your business down the field. You can't be a casual person in ministry and move that ministry down the field and get more people to do it if you're not committed to it. And if you don't have a certain amount of passion where you see where you want to get to and you want to win. You want to get down the field. And Paul says to the Corinthian church, run to win. Don't just run around crazy. (laughs) You know, put effort into every movement and keep the win up front. Number two, number two fill in is run by the rules. Run by the rules. In 2 Timothy 2.5, he's using the same metaphor as he talks to his church planter, pastor in training, Timothy. And he says, anyone who competes as an athlete does not receive the victor's crown except by competing according to the rules and there are rules and regulations in how we run the race of faith and the way we get downfield is by running them according to the way that God has set it up for us to run I mean what happens on the field tonight when someone steps out of bounds yeah there's a whistle bang you're out out of bounds What happens if you get off the line a little too quick? What happens? Well, yeah, it's going to set you back. It's going to stop. There are rules and regulations for playing properly so that you can get the win, so you can get down the field. Remember the person in the, was it the Boston Marathon that that, uh, took a shortcut? 
ran for like three miles. I think it was Boston or New York, whichever one. Ran about three miles and then all of a sudden said, hey, I'm going to make a shortcut and cut through here and hit the last mile. And I'm the first one across. Oh, man, it was so hard, but I can't believe I did it. You know, that didn't last, did it? I mean, they found out that it was a fake. There's no shortcuts in this play. There's no shortcuts in this game. In this game of faith, in this game of daring faith. There's no shortcuts to it. There are rules, regulations. There are like rules of like preparation, of learning what the, the scripture has to say. I mean, how do we even know how to play this game if we don't know this? I mean, if we don't know what God calls us to, let's say in our marriages, you know, Jesus says, hey, Tim, I want you to love Karen like I love the church and gave his life for it. You know, I'm like, dude, that will take me my whole life. It will. And I will have interceptions and I'll be, you know, I'm going to be knocked down beyond the line of scrimmage. But I know that I play this game that way. As I look at Jesus, I look at the cross, I look at how much he loves me, how much he did for me. And I am to be a reflection to my wife of that. And so that is a rule and a regulation that I know. And I play this game and it really isn't a game, but you get it, right? It's life. In this life of faith, we move it downfield I can't make shortcuts I can't take shortcuts because they set me back and there's all kind of shortcuts thrown out to us in life cheating lying doing things we shouldn't do and thinking that it's going to put us on down the field away in our relationships or our businesses or in church or anywhere and we take these shortcuts and we get a penalty we get called back it's not the way to play the game God has in mind a certain character to be developed in us one that's like his. And so there are rules and regulations just like those football players. They have to play within a boundary line with rules and they know it and they've trained themselves, disciplined themselves to play by the rules. And that helps get them down the field because the rules are all about getting down the field the right way, getting there. And it's just like moods. I mean, if we don't, you know, <laughs> you wake up one day and you don't feel like a Christian anymore. I mean, have you done that? Have you woke up and go, man, don't guess it was real. I don't feel it, you know. Imagine a football player doing that. You know, yeah, yeah, I don't feel the Super Bowl. I just don't feel it. Don't feel it. Don't feel it. Don't feel it. Been working out, you know. You know, you're part of the team. You got drafted. You got a letter from the owner, you know, and uh, saying, I want you. You're mine. Uh, you know, I just don't feel it, man. I don't feel it. You know, you take that mood and you submit it to yourself. You go, I'm not going to listen to that mood. That mood's lying to me. That mood is a diversion away from playing the game the way I'm called to. Rules and regulations, things that help us get down the field. I've, uh, I know uh, quite a few people that have really done well in certain areas of their life, and I, I appreciate the example that many of them have given me. I'll, just, I'll tell you one. When I was 16 years old, I, I went with a orchestra overseas and we toured 20 some countries and it was just fantastic it was just what an experience for an 11th grader you know to play in a huge orchestra with with people from all over the world and uh i had a roommate i had a roommate and uh, let's put his put put his there he is yeah yeah he's a, he's a geek yeah he is you know and uh you know i was 16 year old surfer and there i was with this guy and uh for five weeks in my room right i mean we washed our clothes together. Uh, we lived together for five weeks in and out. And, and uh, I wasn't a Christian then. And uh, I'm just 16, 17-year-old, so I'm sneaking out of my room at night. And uh, 
doing things I shouldn't do. And, uh, and this guy, Jim, he, he, every time I'd sneak back in, he'd go, man, you shouldn't be doing that. He would be there practicing his trombone. Bom, 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 bom. I'm like, oh, man, trombone, really? You know, bom, 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 bom. I'm like, how can you do that, Jim? You know, bom, 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 bom. I took that picture in London. That was right before we were headed back. Uh, just a really great guy. Well, then all these years later, I'm watching television. I turn on PBS, and I'm watching one of my favorite bands, and this is what I see. There he is behind Walter Becker and Donald Fagan of Steely Dan. <laughs> you know, and I mean, I, I still get chills. I went, Jim Pugh? I mean, get out of here, you know. I'm like, what? There's, you know how you got there? You know how he got there, right? You know, disciplining himself every day for years. He's got like two, three Grammys. He's played on the Lion King music. Oh, you name it, the guy has like got a litany. I mean, for a trombone player, get out of here. I mean, really. You know, and I mean, he's like, we saw him last year. Steely Dan came to Charleston, and, and uh, we got with him. And it, he's the same Wonderful guy, humble and, and uh, very gentle and just a great, great guy. But how did he get there? How do you get anywhere? You get there, yeah, through the rules, through the regulations, through discipline. And, and there's so much happiness now in him. It's effortless for him. That's some complicated music they play. And, I mean, it's effortless. I mean, it's just fun now. And, see, that's the part of discipline, of playing according to the rules and the regulations that as you discipline yourself, things get easier. Things get easier. There's a saying that is the pain of regret is always greater than the pain of discipline. The pain of regret is always greater than the pain of discipline. And we just, we don't want to do it, right? We don't want to get up and read the Bible. We don't want to, you know, we don't want to do some things because there's something in our bodies that are pushing back on us, not wanting us. But if we're going to do like Paul said, we're going to bust it. You know, we're going to, we're going to push it into submission. We're not going to let it tell us what to do. We're going to discipline it. Then there is wonderful treasure in that. There is a goal in all of that as we push downfield to win. Um, You're not just by yourself in this, too. That's one of the things that I thought about, the rules and the regulations. You know, no, no team member is the team. <laughs> you know, every one of these guys, and even in the band with the gyms, and all those guys are just like, it was like the orchestra. Everybody had a part to play, and you played your part. You played it as well as you could play it. And that, when everybody played together like that, it was a beautiful thing. It's the same thing with us. As we walk through life together, we were not meant to do it alone. Part of the rules and the regulations are that we would not forsake, you know, us coming together in our small groups, not forsake talking to one another, praying for one another, being with one another, because we are on the same team. We all got the same jerseys. We're together. And so part of that rule and regulation is we get in there and we're like, I'm going to get in a place. I'm going to get in a church. I'm going to get in a small group. I'm going to develop some friends who are moving downfield as well. And I want to be with them so that when I don't feel like getting up and going into the huddle for the next play, they'll grab me and say, come on, we're going. Let's go. And you push it on down the field. It's a great metaphor for us. Great metaphor for life. Third, your third one is this. Run with focus. Run with focus, Paul tells us. So I run straight to the goal. 
straight to the goal with purpose. In every step, I fight to win. I'm not just shadow boxing or playing around. Run straight to the goal. There is a focus in life to live life in a daring, faithful kind of way takes incredible focus because there's all kind of things trying to knock you off of that, right? There's our own sense of fallenness and our own weaknesses and all that are pulling at us constantly, telling us we can't make it down the field. There are situations in life that come along. We get sacked and we're thinking, I've been hit too many times. There's no way to get up and go again. But you can. You can get up and you can move again. You keep the goal in mind. You run with focus. Run with focus. Uh, Hebrews, in the Living Bible, Hebrews 12, 1 through 3, gives us an example of how to stay focused. And he gives us the greatest example of all, and that is Jesus. Keep your eyes on Jesus, who both began and finished this race we're in. Study how he did it. Because he never lost sight of where he was headed. That exhilarating finish in and with God. He could put up with anything along the way. Cross, shame, whatever. And now he's there. In the place of honor. Right alongside God. When you find yourselves flagging in your faith, go over that story again. Item by item. That long litany of hostility he plowed through, that will shoot adrenaline into your souls. A message I meant to say, yeah, message. You get this, you look at Jesus when you're down, you feel like you're knocked down, you can't get up, you raise your eyes up to Christ and you see how he was treated. And you see how he got up. In the flesh he was treated this way. I don't know how, I have to say this all the time because he's the son of God. Of course he could do this. He did this 100% as a human. What he went through to the cross, he did as a human being. Yes, he's 100% God, but he was 100% man. He laid aside that while he was doing this in order to give us an example like this scripture tells us so we can look at him when we get knocked down and go, let me look at his life. How did he handle it? How did he pray? How did he respond? And we get back up and we press on down the field toward the goal. So what area in your life do you feel like you need to get up, refocus, know that God has called you to win? Know that you have to play by certain regulations and rules. There's things you've got to get up and do and adjust to. And uh, what do you need to refocus on in your life, even right now, today? She said, just don't get the jersey, you know. Don't be a poser. Don't get the jersey. You've been given the jersey because you were drafted. You were meant to play this game. You were designed to play this game. God has confidence in what he can do in you or he wouldn't have put you on the field. This is your call today. And I pray, my prayer is that every play you watch tonight, even if you see a, you know, a blown play, something gets blown, you go, oh, man, I saw that in my life once, yeah. You know, I blew a play, but then you'll see them go right back in, call another play, get back, get back in position, and go and do another play to get on down the field. And you'll see yourself, and you'll go, you know what? <laughs> you look to your coach, you look to your caller, to your owner, and you go, you drafted me, you called me to this team. You must, you must see something here. 
I'm getting back in position and I'm going to keep on playing till I get to the other end. Let's pray. We hope you enjoyed this week's podcast from Seacoast Vineyard Church in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. We look forward to you joining us next time on iTunes or at our website, www.seacoastvineyard.com.